I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today I have Giovanni Cedeño, who lives in Phoenix, Arizona, with his beautiful wife, Melanie. For the past two years, he has worked as a chaplain, where he serves and comforts hospice patients. He is also part of an amazing organization called East Valley Dream Center that supports low-income families in his community. He has always had a heart for the poor and has found true purpose in serving others. Thank you, thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today, Giovanni. Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor. I've seen you have so many great guests, so I'm excited to share my life and be on the Courageous Podcast. Awesome. So I wanted uh, you to kind of take us on the journey of your story. I know you're going to be sharing the reasons why you kind of struggled growing up and the fact that your father was absent in your life. And so take us back to that time when you were growing up and kind of how life was for you and your siblings um, and your mom taking care of you guys as a single mom. You know, it kind of goes back to me growing up in the um, inner city of Chicago in a place called Humboldt Park. If you don't really know, I mean, everyone knows on the news now how inner city of Chicago is not really that good. But this place called Humble Park, I know when I was growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, it was really gang infested, drug infested. So my mom raised five of us, four boys and one girl on her own. And mm-hmm. she did the best that she could. That being said, I didn't have a father there 24-7. For me, that was a really, even to this day at 31 years old, it's difficult in my life, not having that father figure, someone that you can talk to every day, cry to, look up to. So as a kid at 10 years old in my teens, you know, I wanted to hear those words. I'm proud of you, Giovanni. So not hearing that to this day, uh, and I'm working through it now, it's hurt me emotionally. That's so difficult. And I hear that from a lot of people, you know, for some people that did grow up with their parents, and I'm going to use my husband as an example, you know, he grew up with them, he took care of them. He was a great dad, great provider, but he kind of says the same thing. He's like, you know, my dad's never told us, and not just him, but his siblings, I love you or I'm proud of you. But they know that he loves them because they know that he will support them and be there for them whatever they need. It's like they just know it. But they also missed hearing that from their father. And so at what age did you not have your dad in your life? Yeah, that was the moment uh, I was born. Growing up. I, I just thought that was normal because being in Humble Park, a majority of the families didn't have a dad. So, you know, I thought if you did have a dad, I'm like, that's pretty weird. Like they got, they got a family. So, uh, but I just thought it was normal. So from the moment I was born, my dad wasn't around, kind of just took off. That's hard. Yeah. That's really, no. really hard because there's people that have lost their mom or their dad and they say, yeah. yeah, you know, he lived with me for three years or five years or six or when I was 10. And to know that you truly had the absence of a father from the moment that you were born and you never even experienced that has got to be really difficult. And so, you know, your mom raising five kids and I imagine her working like crazy, you know, how was that for, for you and your siblings? My mom 
she did the best that she could. And I think she did an amazing job because today we're all grown, we're all healthy. You know, we all have jobs, beautiful families. And statistics say, at, at first, I mean, just having brown skin, being Puerto Rican and labeled in Chicago, we're already going to drop out of high school. We're already going to go to prison, join a gang. Right. We're going to do all these things already. So we're already against the odds. So she did the major things. She tried to pay the bills, um, make sure we were fed. Now, my mom made a lot of mistakes, just like everyone else did. You know, my family members can testify to that with their uncles, cousins. But one thing my mom did not do was give up and quit on us. She didn't abort us. She didn't give us up. So she did the best that she could with us. And I take my hats off to all the single moms hearing this podcast, all the single mm-hmm. moms that raised their kids with no dad. You guys are super women. You guys are incredible. But I say this with all due respect because I, I made a post around two years ago and I said, who, who needs a father when you have a mother, a mother like mine? Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of take that back because you do need a father, mom, yeah. you can do, you can do whatever you can, but that girl, that boy, they need that father's attention, that father's love. You know, my mom tried to show us the best that she can, you know, cause her growing up with her dad, there was no, it's not a lovey dovey house. There was no communication mm-hmm. of love and hugging. So her way of showing love to us was cleaning, make sure the house is clean, make sure we're fed. So it's acts of service. So that's how I knew my mom loves me. But your last question was, I just wanted to hear those words because I started, I started growing up and going up to other people's home and I started seeing their dads and their mom saying, I love you, started hugging. And I'm like, man, I wish my mom would do that. I wish she would be there. But, you know, me being selfish as a teenager, because teenagers were selfish, I didn't see the things that she was doing to show that she loved me. And so I'm guessing, you know, as I'm listening to you, did you feel that you had to grow up? A little bit faster? I mean, to grow up a little faster, but like I said, my mom, she still allowed us to be a kid. I think the hardest thing was we en- I enjoyed my teen years and my kid years, but to add on to being a single mother, we were really dirt poor. We were super poor. So we didn't enjoy the vacations that other families go on. I did enjoy having new shoes. I remember getting just a pair of shoes at the beginning of the school year. Th- those are the things growing up that I didn't have. Growing up to be a man in the house, yeah, my brother, we we knew that. We knew we had to kind of take care of the household, we had to clean. But one thing that really, there was a a, a hole in our lives was that we were poor. And when our friends, we wanted to hang out to the movie, we couldn't. We had to have our friends pay for us or family members pay for us. So it was embarrassing as you're getting older. Right. Um, So in that way, it's like we have to grow up faster, whether find jobs, do things as normal teenagers don't do. So that that was hard. Mm-hmm. And so I know you had said that, you know, your mom was definitely filling the void of mother and father yeah. to you and your siblings. Clearly, there was a void in your life. What kind of things do you think were missing? Because now you're going into those teenage years. You know, going into my teenage years without my dad, my mom still was careful whose house we went to. But as a teenager, we get a little more vocal and like, mom, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And if she tried to say at the beginning, no, you're not, the argument would turn on. And she's like, you know what, just go. Just text me or call me when you're there. So now as a teenager, I will go to these homes with friends. But these friends now had fathers, had stable households. They were financially good. So as I will go to these homes now, I would be like, oh, okay. So his dad says I love him. Man, look at the mom. 
She's super nice. She doesn't yell. And so then I would go back to my household and be like, man, my life sucks. Like <laughs> we're poor. We don't, we don't communicate. We, so I would see the glass always half empty. I would, it was perspective. And I wouldn't see my mom busting her butt, getting up early to go to work. As a teenage boy, as a teenager, you're selfish. So, you know, you think your mom or dad is superwoman or Superman that they don't have feelings or emotions. But man, we put my mom through hell our teenage years because we were kind of thrown in her face that we're poor or mm -hmm. how can we have this? Or I'm going to, I'm going to go spend a night at this person's house. Or I like this family better. And I would really make my mom feel so small. So growing up seeing these families, I would want that. And that void, I would just constantly, I don't want to be home. Like I moved out of my house, like at 17, 18, because uh, I didn't want to be there because I'm like, oh, this, this it sucks in here. But mm -hmm. I didn't see the glass half full thinking, no, brother, your mother is a great mom. And the thing is now being 31, 32, I've learned everything from my mom, my work ethic from her. But yeah, but as a teenager, you don't see that whatsoever. No, definitely. And you said that becoming a man that you didn't even know how to talk to a girl or a woman yeah, or what a relationship was like, obviously. You said only what you saw from your uncles. You know, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. I, at, at first, talking to a girl or a woman, you know, when you're young, you're scared. Mm -hmm. But then as you get older, you start seeing the only models around me, whereas when I went to start, when I started going to church and especially my uncles. But again, I, you only see the outside. So you see how they tell their wife they love her. You see how the family dinners, you see that. And so I would always think that. I would be like, all right, th this is a marriage or this is a relationship. You're always mm -hmm. supposed to be happy. And so the moment, whether I started talking to a girl or the moment something happened, whether it's an argument or strife, I'd be like, oh, this is not it. I'm going <laughs> to the next one. But, you know, being again young and stupid, it's like, right, right. because you would only see like the TV, the Hollywood lifestyle, like the happiness. Right. But it's like, no, brother, relationships take work, marriage takes work. So, but the thing is, I didn't see that growing up. I only yeah. see my mom by herself. And then I would see on the outside is like marriages are supposed to be happy. You're supposed to always love your wife or your girlfriend. When you have an argument or a fight, the signs are red flags. You should get out of there. How stupid was I? <laughs> well, you know what, as you're saying that, I'm kind of laughing because I remember growing up, I had my mom and my dad, but, you know, my dad, unfortunately, used to drink on the weekends. Yeah. I call him a binge drinker. And so he'd come home sometimes really aggressive and put my mom through some stuff. And seeing that really impacted me. So by the time I was like 12, 13, I would say, you know, I'm never going to get married. Right. Because I'm like, why would I want to get married and have a guy treat me like that? So I yeah. would say, I'm just going to have a baby. I don't need a man. I didn't know how that was going to happen because I didn't know at that age. But I used to say that I'm not going to get married. Why? Because of what I saw in my mom and dad. And because of that, I was really tough with yeah. guys and things like that with my husband. My husband's like, you need to calm down. Like, I'm not your dad. Like, you know, <laughs> But growing up, that's right. We think that what we see, the model, and that's why it's so important for you as a man to say, hey, I got to do it different when I have my kids, you know, and I yeah. got to do it different now that I'm married. And, and I know that you've experienced that. And so I did want to ask you before, you know, I start asking you some of these other really critical questions. Do you have a relationship with your dad today? Um, no, uh, I'll be transparent and I'll be open here. At 18 years old, was the first time I've ever met my dad. I talked to him. I remember he showed up at Roberto Community High School where he used to hold church and mm -hmm. he left Covenant Church. He showed up there 
And my uncle Huffy said, hey, your dad's outside. If you don't want to see him, I can tell him to go. I said, no, we can see him. We broke bread. We went to the house and he cried, uh, talking about why he left. Boom. All right. I thought relationship was going to start. <laughs> Did not happen. Fast mm. forward five years later, I'm in Miami, living in Miami, and I get into an, a car accident and tickets, my life suspended. So, I, I, you know, and at 22 years old, I'm trying to save up money and I don't have money. So I say, you know what? Hey, I'm just going to call my dad. I've never really asked him for anything in my life. And this is the right. time. So I called him up and, you know, I think he cried again. And we talked and I said, hey, I just, if you can give me like four or 500 bucks, I need help. This was, I remember 2012 in April. Uh, it was a Sunday. Hey, I'm going to call you Wednesday. And I think I should have the money. I'm still waiting for the call. So that was twice I put my heart out there. So fast forward this year, my prayer is he's doing great, but he had like a liver transplant and he wanted to get in contact with me. His brother, who I have a great relationship with, his kids, I grew up with them. And so he called me up. I'm glad he was understanding. But I said this, I said, if he's on hospice and, you know, people hearing this, you might judge me. But the thing is, you weren't in my shoes growing up. You don't know the pain that I went through, the pain that my mom went through by not having a father figure there. Right. Uh, how we were poor, how we lived in shelters. So, you know, you don't know my heart. So I, I told him this, Angel, if he's on hospice, I'm on the next flight. You, and you can tell my mom, you can tell to my wife, but I'll be on the next flight out there to Puerto Rico to visit him. But if this is just kind of a scare, if he just wants to get things off his chest and then go back to not talking to me, mm-hmm. then I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to go through this again. Like I'm 31 years old. My life is established. We're build, I'm building a house. So I was even talking to my cousin about it right now. And people might judge me and say, well, you, where's your forgiveness? You believe in Jesus Christ? Like, no, I do believe in Jesus. And I forgave him a long time ago. Right. And Madeline, I say this with all, there's not one ounce of hate, uh, of bitterness. Growing up, there was. Mm-hmm. But that day at 18 years old, I let it go. He knows where to find me. He knew where to find me in Chicago. He knew where to find me where, I, where we were poor. But today, man, I, I know everything when I have a kid not to do. Now, right. being a man, I'm still learning that, how to be a whether husband, whether it be a friend. I'm not going to put the all blame on him because mm-hmm. that's a huge responsibility. But some blame does go to him. And some blame goes to me as well of learning how to be a man because I did have men role models in my life, whether it be my uncle was a pastor, my other uncles or people in church. Mm-hmm. And since I was really selfish and I wanted them to myself. So when <laughs> they didn't really have time for me, I just cut mm-hmm. them off to be like, oh, you only contact me when I get in trouble. That I was really selfish because I wanted that father figure in my right. life. Well, I mean, you didn't really know how to go about that. Yeah, and My dad's been absent in and out of my life the last 20 years, you know, and I'm older than you. And it's been very difficult. And I, I love what you said that you said everybody needs a father. And that's so true. And even at my age, like, I wish we were super tight, you know, and we talk, but yeah. it's been this in and out thing. And I get that. So no one can judge you unless they're in your situation, unless they've experience that type of yeah. hurt and that pain. That doesn't mean if they need you that you won't help them or if they knock on yeah. your door, you're not going to open the door or that you're not going to try to love on them. But you have to protect your heart, mm-hmm. you know, because one thing I learned is that I cannot force a person to love me. I cannot force a person to look for me, for me to be important to them. They have to want that for themselves. And if they don't, then I cannot continue to put time and effort and my heart for it to continually to get broken. And so only people that have been there will understand what that feels like and and why you made the choice that you made. But I love that you said that you're not angry, that you have forgiven, and that you're still learning. 
And that's what's yeah. important. And so some of the key things that I wanted you to share today, if people are listening, you know, what was your motivation to kind of get through? I would remind myself every day when I was a teenager, every day, a young adult, a kid, I'm not going to grow up to be poor. I'm going to do whatever I can to have a steady job, to have not live paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and I would remind myself every day, I'm not going to be absent when I grow older. Now, not absent in my future family's life, kids, but not absent in my mother's life, mm -hmm. not absent in my sister's life, my brother's life, my cousin, anyone that needs me, I'm going to be right. there because I know that being absent just in someone's life, is, it's hurting them. So even though I'm not an octopus and have eight legs, I'm going to do whatever I could do to bring peace to that person and try to love on that person. And that was my motivation. You know, Giovanni, when you grow older, this is not how you're going to be. Now, I'm not perfect. I say dumb things. I do dumb things. You're going to ask family members. But one thing, one thing they cannot say about Giovanni Cedeno is he was not absent in my life. He showed up when I, when I needed him, when I text him, when I needed money, when I needed my gas paid for, when I needed something, Giovanni was there for me. And that's what I try to do because it sucks, man. It does suck. And, and I'll say this boldly. You know, I get marriages, divorce happens. I get that. I get sometimes the baby father is not being understandable or the baby mother is not being understandable. And it's just this big court thing. I get that. But for you as a man, for you to just flat out not talk to your kid anymore, that's just such a coward move. Right. For you just to leave. I don't have a kid yet, but I can say this. I promise you this. And I'm not saying this is going to happen. But God forbid, whatever my wife or something happens, but I know if the kid, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to abandon the kid. And we have a lot of fathers that just abandon because they're like, oh, I'm sick of hearing uh, the mother's mouth or this is like, man, I'll take it out on the kid though. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. There's no excuse for a parent not being in their child's life. I just interviewed somebody and her mom was absent. Her mom just picked up and left. How do you just walk away from your child? And because I know what that feels like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't even think, I can't even wrap my head around leaving my son, Elias. My God, he needs me desperately. He needs yeah. my husband desperately. Like he's still growing. And he, even as an adult, he's going to need us, you know? And so I wanted to ask you, you know, looking back, was there anything that you think that you would have done differently? Yeah, I um, think I kind of mentioned this. But I would have really asked for help in my early 20s. I was in church and I did have these father figures in my life. But, you know, I wanted that one father figure to always be there for me. That was my one regret is not really taking their advice. Right. Is whether, whether it would be with girls or whether it be with jobs or whether it would be with school. That would be the only thing I, I, mm -hmm. I would change is taking more advice and humbling myself. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, that's good advice. You know, like you said, yeah. you were young, you were immature. And so why did you think that it was important to share your story today on the podcast? I think it's important because I'm 31 and I know there's older men that listen to this and especially younger men. Uh, you know, we're very different than women. We're very different in our emotions, our mindset. And I've learned, uh, especially growing up, to bottle everything in, not to cry, you know, if you go to therapy or counseling, you're considered crazy. If you cry, you're considered weak. If you mm -hmm. share your emotions. I, I want to tell every guy listening to this, that is not weak. Man, if I could have did this 10 years ago and be on this podcast, and if I would have went to counseling, if I would have got help, no one knows. I, my life is great now, but the emotional impact it would have made in my life, right? Um, it, it would have helped. 
it's all right to go to counseling. It's all right to cry in front of your wife. It's all right to cry in front of other guys. That's right. It's all right to do those things. Listen, I don't care. Especially this day and age, people are going to look at you as crazy as they did 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But for my mental health, Madeline, my mental health, my heart, I need to do those things to move forward in my life. Right. Because what the thing is, and this is an analogy that we all always use, is, is the Coke bottle. If we just keep shaking it and shaking it, we're going to explode. And I exploded before, and I don't want to go back to that. Right. Now, that's why I'm super transparent. I just let it all out because I don't want to keep it in anymore. I, I just want to put it all out, <laughs> and I want to help myself, and I want to help younger guys uh, before they get married or before they're in a relationship, and older guys to say, hey, brother, it's not too late. You can change your ways. That's right. These things help out. These things help out. And so if there was somebody out there that went through the same thing that you went through, that's listening to your story, that's a young man, or again, an adult now, like you, or even older, what advice would you share with them to kind of encourage them and help them to get through this pain and this loss that they've been dealing with for so long? I would say uh, reach out for help. It's never too late. Don't feel pressure from your family, from your church, from your work. Try to fix you first. thing is you have to fix yourself first. And uh, I'm going to say this, church people will probably go against it or whatnot, but <laughs> can be a, a healthy husband until you're a healthy man. That's right. You know, I always hear stick in the marriage. You got to stay there. Stay there. It's like, wait, time out. Like you're willing to let this toxic marriage and they're, they're going to hurt each other even more, whether maybe they deserve a break. Thing is, you got to fix yourself first, whether it's therapy, whether it's retreats, whether it's girl time, guy time, mm-hmm. um, doing that, you, you got to fix yourself first. I was reading this book, it's called Toxic People, and the pastor says, church people might go against this, and I was kind of speaking to marriages here. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross for your marriage. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for you. He died for you mm-hmm. because he knows you have to be right first before you make your marriage right, before you make the church right. And now I'm, I'm a huge advocate. Mental health, you got to get yourself right. Every woman that's hearing me, and man, I don't believe happy wife is happy life. That's right. You mean I have to be miserable to make my <laughs> wife happy? Because then we're both going to be miserable. That's, it doesn't work. And my wife knows that. It's like, no, you know, a happy life is both of you. All right. Whether it's arguments, whether it's sometimes you got to say those words, you're like, ah. But the thing is, after it's settled down, you go back to the table and say, hey, I'm sorry I said that. Ladies, I hope you heard that. And I hope you didn't take offense to that. But I agree with that. You know, I've been married to my amazing husband 25 years, Mr. Robert Hernandez. I could say that it's been more wonderful and more rewarding and more of a blessing than it ever has been difficult. Thank goodness. It's important for me as his wife to make sure that he's happy, although I know he needs to find happiness too, individually, as you're saying, and I need to do the same thing. But it's important for me that he doesn't just make me happy and give me everything that I want. No, we're trying to help each other and be happy together. And we're here because we want to be in this relationship, not because we have to be in the relationship. And that's so important. You know, God doesn't call us to be a doormat. God doesn't call us to just put up with nonsense and disrespect and everything else that comes with marriages. So, And I'll say this lastly, man, like kind of speaking to marriages, I cannot be spiritual police to my wife or I cannot be, I can't be her dad or not. No. 
we trust each other. We love each other. And that's it. Like she knows I'm here. This is going back to church. And I love church. I grew up in church. I love God. I love Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. You have to take care of your wife. And I, I'm for that. But at the end of the day, it's really take care of yourself. Woman, man, your, your mental health is the greatest thing that you have right now. And if you are great in that, then everything else will fall in line. But if that one thing is, is just messed up, then you best believe work is going to be off. Marriage is going to be off. Church is going to be off because your mental health. That's right. Well, before we wrap up, I want yeah. you to share, you know, how can people connect with you? I know you're doing some amazing things at the East Valley Dream Center. Tell people what you're doing and maybe how they can come alongside you or even make a donation, you know, to this amazing yeah. cause. So my brother and I and one of our good friends, Juan, we met last year in March and we said, hey, let's just start a Dream Center up. No building, no budget. And how we did it was we just started going out weekly to the park, handing out chips and um, sandwiches. And those things just led to more open doors to serving. I've been doing this the past year and a half. And I'll say this, I found my purpose in life, my mental health, whether it be my marriage, whether it be my work life, took off. The opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. When you find your purpose and you serve, um, man, that changes your whole life's perspective. My mental health the past year has taken off to a whole different place. My relationship with people at home. So, but with the East Valley Dream Center is because I'm serving weekly. I even serve sometimes three times a week, part of another organization. We go out and just feed lower income communities, whether it's single moms, whether it's single dads, whether it's the elderly. Uh, we give out food, provide services. We pay their rent. We pay their light bill. We find the need and we fill it. So fill the needs of the community free of charge. Donations, $5 is accepted. $10. Amen. Hey, if you, if you got $10,000 and you say, hey, we want to buy you guys a truck, you, you know, you can text me and I'll That's fly right. out to you to go pick up the check. We're speaking um, into existence. <laughs> yeah. So, but they can find me. Uh, my number is 312-273-2757. Social media is just Giovanni Cedeno. If you want to support or volunteer or whatnot, uh, you can see what we do. Amen. Amen. I'm so happy. And so thank you so much, Giovanni, for being on the Courageous Podcast today. This was amazing. Love the conversation. Love the honesty. Love the transparency. And I know that God is going to do something amazing through this story and that I pray that you are going to touch many, many young men and men out there that have faced some of the same adversities as you. And so I want to continue to encourage you to keep serving because clearly that's your heart. And I feel like you've always been that way, but I pray blessings over your life, over your marriage, over this amazing East Valley Dream Center, your whole team there. I pray blessings upon them and their families that God will open the doors and just continue to provide for this amazing mission that you guys are on. Love you, Giovanni. Known you since you were a kid. It's hard for me to see you as a man now, married. And I look forward to hearing from you again and inviting you back to the Courageous yeah. Podcast and see all the progress that you've made and everything that you're doing at the East Valley Dream Center. Amen. And I say this one last thing. What you're doing, Madeline, is incredible. You're taking stories because there's a lot of podcasts out there that I listen to, but it's already people that are successful. I love hearing these stories because literally getting people that are in the muck that are starting right. off, that are, are doing it. So this is an encouragement to everyone hearing. If you actually be on the podcast, jump on it. But I want to thank you because you're giving a voice for people like me 
that want to make a difference to our community, our marriage, our family, and our city. Uh, and you're giving us a voice and platform to do it. So I want to thank you so much for doing that. Amen. Well, like I've said to other people, it takes a village, right? To yeah create change. I thank God for encouraging me to go on this crazy journey. It's been amazing. Yeah. These stories are blessing me. Together, we're going to continue to make a difference and just do what God is calling us to do, to do what's right, and to just bring hope and faith into people's lives. And so I thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you, ma'am. appreciate it. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous. <laughs>